Hallelujah. Somebody give Jesus praise in this place. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> the harvest is ripe. Come on, somebody. Oh, my goodness. I just love my Jesus so much. He is shaking the nations, <laughs> as you can see, all over the world. I've had the privilege to be in uh, around 30 countries and just watching the hand of God just supernaturally invading the plans of the enemy and pushing back the kingdom of darkness. Friends, it is a time to, for the kingdom of God to advance violently by force, and we are taking it in Jesus' name. We're taking out the enemy and uh, ruining his strongholds in Jesus' name for the glory of God. Hallelujah. So, uh, it's, an, it's an honor and privilege to be here again. Thank you, Pastor David, and I uh, just honor you and uh, love being able to come here. I think this is, I'm trying to think, was, is it might be my fifth time here with the Fridays and the Sundays uh, getting to be here in the house. So some of you guys have, have never seen me before. Others, you, you're starting to get familiar with the ministry. And uh, those that are attending our retreat this weekend, you have a few people from Washington down to Florida across the whole U.S. that are in the house today. So just honor all of our attendees for the retreat. Uh, also, my I had a uh, you guys have got to meet my mom up here on the worship. Isn't, isn't she something else? And uh, so I'll just have her stand real quick. My dad is here as well. He just came up this morning uh, just for the service. So can you guys stand real quick? And then my my aunt Lori just came over as well. So Aunt Lori, can you stand up as well? It's kind of nice to get some family here. So. <laughs> Uh, I, I was in nine different states in the last two and a half months, and uh, it's not often I always get to have uh, family with me in these places, and so it's always nice when I have uh, somebody uh, that is a familiar face to me <laughs> in, in the crowd. So, uh, But I have my entire, uh, my entire KEI team. Um, every, all of our full-time team is here as well. If you guys want to stand up just real quick, and uh, except for Joshua, he's back at the lodge helping out, but can you welcome our team here as well? They don't, they don't always get to travel as well. Sometimes some of them will, but it's, it's an honor for me because, again, a lot of times I'm flying solo, and so it's nice when I've got my team with me. They're, they're just amazing. I just honor them, and thank you guys so much. Um, I have a couple of miracle videos that I want to show to start the, the service today, and then we're going to get into the Word. But um, thank you those, uh, to those that are partnering with the ministry. We have a number of people in the church that are monthly partnering with us now, and just honor you guys. Uh, feel free to stop by the table as well. We have some of our t-shirts. You can get my, my book, Hunger, back there as well. And these are just some tools to get you instigated up in your faith. Um, it took me about... Uh, you know, four years to write this book, but it would only take you two to four hours to read it. Uh, but uh, I, I, what, what the Lord did in my life, I, I put into these pages of how he began to woo me with the hunger of the Holy Spirit just beginning to saturate me, you know, and he says that blessed are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. And that is an actual promise from the Lord Jesus. And I encourage you guys to get hungry. If you're not hungry, do something to get to that place quickly because he will shake you and change you and shape you so quickly. You need the hunger of the Lord to be in your life. 
And so today, uh, if you are feeling comfortable, uh, today I pray that you are disturbed in Jesus' name. Uh, I don't want you to be comfortable. Uh, um, evangelist Daniel Kalenda, who wrote the foreword for this book, he would often say, people would ask him the difference between pastors and evangelists. And, you know, he says the pastors are there to uh, comfort the disturbed, and the evangelists are there to disturb the comforted. So, um, so I, I, I create the problems, and then Pastor David gets to clean them up. So, <laughs> so honor you, Pastor David. <laughs> Um, I'm going to show you guys a couple of videos here, and uh, this first one here is uh, uh, from the nation of Pakistan, and a gentleman had what he called a fear to eat because he had some stomach issues, and I had a Quest bar in my bag, you know, trying to be a little bit healthy uh, on the road there in Pakistan, and, and uh, we were looking for something to get him to eat, and he was like, it's very rich, it's very rich food, you know, <laughs> so you're going to get to see his miracle here, check this out. What's cool about this is this was actually at a conference for nurses, and uh, it was Muslim nurses. About 70% of the people were actually Muslim, put on by a Christian organization. So I got to speak. He was a Muslim man uh, that was a nurse, and he came into the meeting. He got saved. We had a, a dozen nurses give their lives to Christ that night. And uh, this was, uh, you know, it was cool because he wasn't the only person that got healed. There was a number of people that got healed. And, you know, for nurses, you know, nurse appreciation night, they're kind of like, wait, people are getting healed by God? Like, wait, Jesus? Like, they're like trying to understand what's happening because they normally are there to do the medicine. But Jesus was doing the medicine and they were getting blasted by the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So this was just one example of a, of a healing in a, in a salvation in Jesus' name. I'm going to show you guys one more as well. Oftentimes we get asked, you know, as we travel, well, why don't the miracles happen in America and they only happen overseas? And uh, it's funny because um, 
everybody in all the other countries thinks that the miracles happen in all the other places too. Uh, if you go to Africa, you guys think that everybody's getting healed in Africa, right? Well, in Africa, they think everybody's getting healed in America. <laughs> if you go over to Europe, they think it's happening over in Australia. In Australia, th- you know, like it's just, it's funny how everybody thinks it's everywhere else until it happens to them in Jesus' name. So I was in, uh, I was in North Dakota in uh, June, and there was a woman there named Vera, and she actually uh, had... Uh, some ear problems and was deaf in ears with hearing aids, uh, but the Lord touched her powerfully. Check this out. Yeah, my name is Vera Zufert, Eversholt Groover. For over a year, I've been having difficulty in hearing, and I've been asking my husband to repeat many times what somebody else said or he said, and when we watch a, a film, I ask him to put the volume up and up, up to 100, and sometimes I can't understand some parts. And this morning, when uh, Caleb was ministering and he he was going to pray for, for healing, and uh, I put my my ear, my my fingers on my ears and on my eyes because I have some difficulty in in reading too. And uh, and I noticed, you know, it was a difference, you know. I could really hear so well that during the the meeting tonight, I had to put my ears, I had to put my fingers on my ears to close it totally because the music was too loud for me. So the Lord really healed me. Praise the Lord! That is amazing. How did you feel? Like, what did it feel like when you were being healed? Or you just took your fingers out and you just could hear all of a sudden? Well, I don't know exactly at what point it happened. I just noticed that tonight when I was listening to to the music and to the, the songs, it was too loud for me. And literally, I, I had to leave the place because it was so loud. I think I have to put now earplugs, you know, instead of, of hearing aids. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. <laughs> we see this all the time over the States. And so I, I encourage you today. I believe the Lord will touch you powerfully. Just get hungry and ready to be touched by his presence. He's so good. Um, I did get to see her a few months later when I returned to uh, to that church, and it had been about three months, and she was still completely healed and walking in that freedom. So it's pretty cool just to watch the hand of God touching people right here. Um, Today, I'm going to go into the message, and um, I'm going to just share a message that I believe is a word now for the body of Christ as a whole. In this season, there's so much going on. There's turmoil. There's pain. There's hatred. There's suffering. There's fear. Uh, there's despair, there's anger, it's just, it's literally protruding from the airwaves, there's divisive issues that are taking place, political oppression, and uh, governments are being flipped upside down overnight, as you've just seen in Afghanistan, and even uh, in last year during the election cycles, watching France get overturned overnight, and others, I mean, just overnight, the world is just changing, and, 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 and as a believer in Christ, we can often wonder, well, what am I supposed to be doing in this season, in this time, and, 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 and the enemy's plan right now is to make you afraid, you know. We see this, uh, this tagline in the church culture right now to have faith over fear. And 
Uh, so often that's all it actually is, is a tagline, because we don't actually operate in any faith over the fear. You know, we just say, oh, we got to have faith over fear. But what are you doing right now to display that you're trusting the Lord and actually walking in that? Friends, he has a plan and a purpose in the season, and his plan and his purpose is the church, and it's you operating as he's designed you to be. Hallelujah. And so I'm going to start in Isaiah chapter 6 today. Um, oftentimes, uh, the biggest issue that we have is seen here in the call of Isaiah. Um, we're going to be able to read a little bit of his story, and then I'm ultimately going to be in the book of Matthew. But um, here in Isaiah chapter 6, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were the mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. And with two they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Wouldn't that be a sight? <laughs> Come on, somebody. I want that to happen today, man. I'm, I'm like, encounter me, Lord. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, it's all over. I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips, yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal that he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs, and he touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed, and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. Now, this is uh, one of the most amazing encounters in all of scripture. I mean, who wants this to happen to them? Anybody? Like maybe, maybe like, you know, 20% of you. Okay. I'm going to ask this again. Who wants this to happen to them? Yeah, that's what I thought, right? We all want the Lord to show us, uh, uh, show us and have a seraphim come and cleanse us and purify us. And here I am, Lord, send me, you know, this, this encounter was actually the very first encounter that Isaiah ever had in his life. Um, in the first few chapters, uh, you can read through it, but he doesn't have any encounters in this time. This is the first moment, and it's really the commissioning that he has from the Lord to begin going out into doing very unusual ministry. Now, as a prophet, you can look through uh, biblical, uh, the, the Bible and see all types of biblical examples of prophets that had to do crazy things, but Isaiah might have had one of the craziest ones of all. Um, in, in the book of Isaiah 20, verse 3, it says that he had to walk around uh, naked for three years as a sign and wonder to the people of what they look like to God. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but I think that is a sign, and it might make you wonder. <laughs> but, uh, that, I mean, th this is a, he had to live an unusual life, you know? Uh, this, is, this is just some of the things he had to do, but it all started from this place of encounter where the Lord comes to him, and he's completely wrecked and changed, and says, God, I will do anything. I will go anywhere, whatever you want. But I always found it fascinating that it says that it was in the year that King Uzziah died that Isaiah saw the Lord. Like, that's kind of a puzzling thing to put in there. What does Uzziah have to do with Isaiah having an encounter from the Lord? And in a prophet's life, there are, uh, their entire life really is a sign and a wonder. 
uh, they have all types of messages from the Lord. And, um, you know, even Bob Jones, who, who uh, is very connected to this church, dying on Valentine's Day, known as the prophet of love. I mean, the, the things in their life are known as signs and wonders, you know. And, and, and so what does Uzziah dying have to do with Isaiah encountering the Lord? And it was in the year that King Uzziah died. So I begin to look at Uzziah's life. And as you look at his life, you're going to begin to see that the Lord had raised him up and made him to prosper in all things. He was highly blessed and highly favored. And you can read his story in, in, in the Bible. But uh, he ends up going and becoming very, very great in his time. And as the Lord gave him favor, it started to kind of go to his head a little bit. And he started to think that he was the reason that uh, everybody was blessed, not the Lord. And he forgot the Lord in the season. And ultimately, in a in a, a terrifying sequence of events, he goes and does something he's not supposed to. And the priests were supposed to offer the sacrifices. And they, uh, he wanted to do it because he was the king and he was in charge. And so he forsook God's laws and said, I'm going to do it my own way. And ultimately, in this sin that happens at the most prosperous part of his life, in this moment, he is struck with leprosy and ultimately ends up dying in isolation as a leper and lived his rest of his days in seclusion. What a, what a sad story, right? To go from the highest possible favor you could have to dying in isolation alone and sick and diseased and nobody could come near him. This was a terrible and terrifying sequence of events. And Yet, somehow it's connected to, to Isaiah having this encounter. And ultimately, what was Uzziah's sin? It was the sin of pride. It was the sin of pride. And it was the pride that Isaiah had that ultimately, that Uzziah had that ultimately led him to his downfall. And this sin is, it's really the sin that Lucifer himself in heaven, thinking that he was God and declaring that he was better than a most beautiful of creatures in creation and ultimately being cast, cast down as, a, as Satan, as, as the deceiving serpent, as the great dragon, as this evil thing that he is, Lucifer. And, and, and ultimately it was his sin as well. And it's the sin that God says that he will give grace to the humble, right? But he opposes the proud. He's all about opposing the proud. And oftentimes we will begin to pray and say, God, like, I just pray you'd remove the devil from this situation. I bind him. I cast him down. Like, the enemy's attacking, and I just, I just loose your angels, Lord, and I just get out of here in Jesus' name. I bind you. I resist you. But oftentimes, it's not the devil that's standing in your way, my friends. It's, it's actually not at all. And, you know, God isn't going to answer that prayer request if you're, if you're the one that's standing in the way and God's opposing you. <laughs> friends, when, when the sin of pride becomes a part of your life, it's the sin that God himself will oppose and stand in your way. He will oppose you and he will take you down himself to humble you if that's what needs to happen. Friends, humble yourselves so that God can be exalted. In this season and in this hour, we can think that it's all in our own strength or we have to do things with our own might. We have to do things with our own ways. And there is a way that seems right to a man and we know that it leads to to death, right? And that's what happened to Uzziah himself. It was in the year that King Uzziah died that Isaiah saw the Lord. Uzziah was the king. He was over the region. He was over the area. He was in charge and politically and in his kingdom 
what he said mattered and what he said went. And so the manifestation of Uzziah's life was pride over the kingdom of Israel. And here we have Isaiah having this crazy encounter, but it doesn't happen until Uzziah died. Why did Uzziah have to die before Isaiah saw the Lord? What was, what was so important about this in the climate of what was happening in the day? Friends, in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah saw the Lord. And then it was in the year that King Pride died that Isaiah saw the Lord. The year that Pride died, that Isaiah saw the Lord. Friends, if you want to encounter the Lord, he will draw near to you if you will draw near to him. If you humble yourself, friends, he is going to draw near to you. He will come to you. He will bless you. He will favor you. But if you do not deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow him, friends, he himself will oppose you. Can I tell you that you cannot do these things in your own strength? You cannot face this life in your own strength. He sends the Holy Spirit as a helper and he empowers you to live holy lives, empowers you to make a difference, empowers you to witness, empowers you to be a light in the darkness. He empowers you and he sends the Holy Spirit to help us, but we've got to lay ourselves down at the altar and now the Lord, allow the Lord to begin to minister to us. In this season, there is, a, there is a lot going on in the world, and the enemy's plan at this time is to rise up the spirit of pride in us and to get us angry and to get us in despair and to get us into fear and begin to look inward and look at ourselves as if we are the answer. And friends, I can assure you, you are not the answer. I am not the answer. Pastor Dave is not the answer. Friends, Jesus is the answer. You need Jesus, and he will change your life, friends. And when he comes to you and you call upon his name, you will be saved. In Ephesians chapter 5, if you want to flip over there, the whole, the whole point to you, believer, is that Jesus is coming back. <laughs> you don't hear this in the, in the church too often anymore. You don't get, hear a lot of sermons on the return of Christ. But um, can I tell you and assure you that Jesus is returning and he is coming back again. You will see him coming the same way that he left in the clouds of glory. Hallelujah. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 here, it says, Just as Christ loved the church, he gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself, a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, that we would be holy and without fault. Now, Pretty, pretty cool verse here, right? <laughs> Jesus is saying that his entire mission is to, is to prepare you, the believers, those who have called upon his name, to come into relationship with him in purity and righteousness and holiness. And I assure you that in that process, you are going to be made ready for this beautiful wedding where you're going to get to become married to Christ. Hallelujah. He's coming back for the church and he's coming back for you, but his mission is to purify you. It's to, it's to get you ready for this return. And, and there are many sins that are out there, but so many of them are often rooted in pride because pride is the thing, the selfishness, it's the, it's the nasty thing that all else is rooted from, from pleasure and self-gratification and what I want and what I want and what I want. It's pride, it's pride, it's pride. And this nasty thing, friends, has to get cleaned up in the church and in our lives personally. We can look at everybody else and point at everybody else's problems, but often don't look at ourselves in the mirror and 
see the nastiness that is living inside of us. Friends, we need the blood of Jesus to wash us clean, to purify us. Nobody likes pride sermons, right? <laughs> who, who likes a good pride sermon, right? Um, but but it's, it's beautiful because Jesus' mission in the cleaning process is to get us ready for marriage. He is, it says that he is getting us ready. He loves us so much and he wants to make us clean and holy. He wants to wash the, with us with the cleansing of the word of God. He wants to renew us and purify us to present us to himself. So he's doing the work and then he presents us and he's over here on the other side saying, all right, now you can marry me. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty cool. He actually does the work for us, right? We just got to embrace the process and let him do it. In Matthew chapter 24, We'll just flip over here and we're going to land here in the book of Matthew for a little bit. But here in Matthew chapter 24, friends, Jesus is returning. In verse 42, it says, So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day that the Lord is coming. Understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and would not permit his house to be broken into. So you must also be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. Now, keeping watch, friends, in this, uh, this passage right now is directly tied to the preparation that we need to do. We need to not only keep watch, but we need to stay holy and righteous and cleansed in the process because he's doing a work inside of us that only he himself is going to receive the reward for. We're going to get to marry him, but he's preparing us for him. It's, it's beautiful. He's empowering us to live holy lives and empowering us to make a difference in the earth. And I can assure you that the Lord is looking for people of truth, looking for people of righteousness, looking for people of holiness. I, I had a, a, um, a vision a while back. I won't, I'll get into it in just a moment, but th this is a season right now, friends, where we need to be getting prepared and ready. And in Matthew chapter 25, this is where we're going to land for a little bit. It says, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 bridesmaids who took their lamps, went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five of them were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. And when the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, look, the bridegroom is coming, come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we, we don't have enough for all of us. So go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy the oil, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. It's a terrifying scripture. So you too must keep watch for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. Friends, when we keep watch, it's directly tied to having oil in our lamps. There is a direct correlation in, in the succession, even of the passages and where they're, they're placed, that there is, a, there is something about being ready and having oil in our lamps and keeping watch to be ready for the return 
of the Lord. Now, in this season of time that has been happening over the course of the last year and a half and all that happened, the coronavirus stuff started happening and everything started shaking and all the political stuff with everything uh, leading up to the elections and then the overflow with corona and continuing on and now looking at the climate of the world right now, it's pretty obvious if you just have a couple, a couple eyes that you're looking, not a couple sets of eyes, but a couple of eyes. <laughs> to, to, if you look at the TV screen and you look at what's going on in the news that there's a lot of shaking going on in the world, right? And he, this, this isn't to be a surprise. As a believer, we know this is going to happen. Why? Because testing is what demonstrates if we've been purified and ready to go. So we actually, we actually want that to happen, right? And in Matthew, uh, or in, in everything that's happening on in the world, you're, you're seeing in Hebrews chapter 12, it says that everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken. Only what is unshakable will, will remain. And so, so the question is, what's going to be unshakable, you know? And, and, and the answer is anything that Jesus himself builds, right? And so if he builds you, you're going to be unshakable. Hallelujah. If he builds the church, it's going to be unshakable. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. If, if he is building something, friends, then the enemy can't stop it. He can't shake it. He can't end it. He can't tame it. He can't do anything to it. He's stuck because Jesus himself has put his stamp of approval on it. And, 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 and in this season, where are you in the process? Where are you in the divide of what's happening in the land? I'm not asking about your stance or your opinions on political issues or your stance or your opinion on uh, things that are happening with uh, vaccines and coronavirus and testing. And I'm not asking on your opinion on who's going to be the uh, elected for president. And I'm not asking for any of those things. What I'm asking for you is to look inside of yourself and to see where you fall on the line. Have you been building your life or has Christ been building your life? Is it your opinions that are coming to the surface or is it Christ's opinions that are coming to the surface? What is it that he is putting in you? Because if Galatians 2.20 is true and Paul did declare that it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me, then the whole mission is becoming one with the Christ, right? The whole issue is becoming one in intimacy with the Lord. And that's really the highest priority of life. Can I tell you, friends, that where are you found right now in this season? Is, is your fear manifesting? Is your anger manifesting? Is your despair manifesting? Is, is hopelessness manifesting? Is your fear uh, uh, and your lack of generosity manifesting? Are you manifesting with your own ideals and opinions and ideas, or is God's kingdom beginning to be crushed out of you? Because when, when, when the crushing begins to happen, if you squeeze an orange and begin to squeeze that orange, what's going to come out of the orange? Orange juice, right? If you squeeze an apple and you get it all crushed up, what's going to come out of the apple? Yeah, the apple juice. When, when life starts to squeeze you, and it starts to crush you, what's coming out of you? Is it Jesus? Or is it, some, or is it Jesus as a curse word? <laughs> what's being pressed out of you in the season of testing and shaking right now? Because anything but Jesus needs to get taken out of you right now, friends. We need Jesus right now. We need Jesus and you don't ever graduate from Jesus. You don't ever get beyond him. You don't ever like get your bachelor's and then your master's and your doctorate in Jesus. And now I'm going to move on to the next thing. Like he's the point. 
He's the prize. He's the pearl of great price. He is the highest reward. And friends, I, I'll tell you, he's, he's my best friend. He's he, like, I love him. He's my favorite all-time person. Like, he, like I, I love Jesus with all my heart. Like, every day, my, my life's mission is to ask him what's on his heart. And whatever he wants for me, whatever his will is for me, whatever he's written for me, like, that's my highest priority. It's him. It's, it's Jesus. It's, it's, it's him. And to embrace him in all things, whatever he wants, whether it be pain or suffering or whether it be testing, whether it be because he wants to clean stuff out of me, whether it be because he wants to do something in me, whether he wants, has a task for me, or whether he just wants me to look him in the eye and just have him look at me and just look in intimacy. Friends, I don't, I don't know, but uh, if you look at the man with eyes of fire and just start to stare into his gaze, it's going to begin to purify you and shape you and his passion and his desire is going to begin to come inside of you. Friends, Jesus is the point. He's everything. He's all that I've got. And friends, I hope he's all that you've got. I hope that you're pressing into him right now in this season. Because if you're not, I guarantee you the world's going to press you and everything else is going to begin to flow out of you. But Jesus, friends, we need Jesus. We need to get so full of Jesus that, that nothing else can shake us or, or change us or tame us or shift us or the enemy can't get to us because Jesus is everything about you. Friends, do you love him today? Is he your highest prize? Is he your highest reward? Or is it just everything about him? His kingdom is amazing. Father, your kingdom come, your will be done. I'm all about it. Like, I'm all like, I'm all about like having my eyes open to seeing the spirit, seeing his angels coming and beginning to manifest and, 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 and checking out all the flashes and the orbs of light and the cool stuff. Like I'm all about the signs and the wonders and the, having the feathers appear, getting a little gold dust. I mean, I think, I think we're in Moravian Falls here. I mean, everybody's had some encounters. Like I'm all about getting a vision and a dream. I'm all about seeing his kingdom manifest. I'm all about the transference of wealth from the wicked to the righteous. Like I'm all about uh, making sure everybody's getting in their tithing and their blessing and their prosperity. Like I'm all about all that stuff too. I'm all about a little bit of suffering because I want to get closer to Jesus and know him and his suffering and the fellowship of his sufferings. I'm all about doing whatever I got to do, like giving all I got or living in a way that is above reproach. And I'll do all of the things and all of the tasks and all of the stuff, but like, but some of us focus on everything else but him in that place. And, And when we miss Jesus, we miss everything. Even in Matthew chapter 7, 21 to 23, it says that they went and stood before him and said, God, did we not prophesy? Did we not do miracles in your name? Did we not cast out demons? And he said, depart from me. I never knew you. Relationship. Knowing. He never knew them. Friends, in this season, we need Jesus. And anything else but him, friends, is going to be shaken away. Out of him will come his kingdom, and it's great, and I love all of it that's in his kingdom because it's him, you know? But so many of us focus on everything else but him, and really what it is, oftentimes, if I can be completely honest, am I allowed to do that, is a lot of us like to use God's kingdom for ourselves to try to build our names and to build our fame and to build our desires. We like to say, oh, I'm the one who gets the visions and I'm the one who gets the dreams and I'm the one who sees the angels and I'm the seer and I'm the healer and I'm the, I'm the anointed one and I'm the one who prophesies. I got the gift of faith. I got like, hey, just go over and call the church somebody because they can lay, you know, 
we get all kind of prided up in that stuff, don't we? And all the while, Jesus ain't going to bless that at all. We're at, he's actually going to oppose it. Like, yeah, use the giftings in relationship with him that he has asked you to do. But some of us get caught in everything else but Jesus. And I, I just, I feel oppressing in this house today as I'm, as I'm, here from the, as I'm hearing from the Lord to just throw caution to you today to get back to what actually matters, to get back to Jesus, because he is everything, friends. He is the pearl of great price that was in the field. He was the one who gave it all for you and for me, and his blood alone is the thing that breaks every curse and every disease and every suffering. He, he alone is the one that breaks every sickness. And friends, we need to turn to Jesus. He calls you because he wants to marry you. <laughs> He's coming back again for a bride without spot or wrinkle, and it's time to lay the pride down and allow the Lord to begin to manifest inside of our lives. Hallelujah. There is a company of believers in this season that has maybe lost their way because of everything that's been happening, you know? Where do you find yourself as the pressure has increased? Where do you find yourself as things have begun, as the heat has begun to turn up? Where do you find yourself in this time and in the season. And what I've sensed from the Lord as I begin to read Matthew 25 is this whole idea of the oil and what is the oil and what's going on here. The issue wasn't with the virgins that they didn't have oil, right? All 10 of them actually had oil, right? It was that some of them didn't have enough oil presently right now when the time of his visitation came. They all had the oil. Some of them just didn't have enough oil. And what's interesting here in this passage is a lot of us like to think, well, who are the five that had the oil and the five that didn't have the oil? But it's actually that they all had the oil and had oil at one point, but some of them didn't have enough oil, right? So many of us go, well, who are the wise virgins and who are the foolish virgins, right? So I've, I've, you know, I'll, I'll throw a little, little uh, idea into this. You know, I think the five wise ones are the Christians, right? And the five unwise ones are the non-Christians. You know, a lot of us like to think that way, right? But that's actually not the case here. It's not the five Christians and the five non-Christians. It's the 10 people that were Christians. It's actually to the believers, to the believers in Jesus Christ. And even taking a step further, it's actually geared towards leaders. The, the context of the passage, it's geared towards believers in Jesus Christ, leaders, small group leaders, ushers, pastors, leaders, teachers, people that are leading the prayer groups. And five of them were wise. And five of them were not. I don't know if I'm the greatest person at math, but that's 50%, right? <laughs> so everybody look at somebody next to you right now. <laughs> one of you is wise and one of you is unwise. I know I just created a lot of marriage problems in the house. Um, <laughs> pretty sure somebody's sleeping on the couch tonight. You don't have to say which one is wise, otherwise you might be on the couch, but um, <laughs> I'll let you guys determine who the wisdom who has the wisdom and who doesn't <laughs> but in this season they're not talking to the unbelievers they're talking to the believers the people that are actually pressing in and i believe that in this house we've got a lot of people that are pressing in 
But that isn't even just enough in this season because what happened with the oil, friends, is that they didn't have enough oil presently. They did have oil, but not presently. So what does that tell me? It means that they stopped getting oil because they thought that they had enough oil, right? Oh, what I, what I already have will probably be enough, meaning that at one point in their life, they did the work to get the oil. But they chose in the season to ride off the oil from yesterday's season instead of having oil presently and continually filling the lamp. Is anybody in this house riding off of yesterday's oil? And you don't have to raise your hand. (laughs) But the context of this passage, friends, is that they didn't have enough oil presently. Why? I think that the times and the seasons we in that we are in might explain some of that. The issues that we have today, the, the pressing, and if it's not this generation, every generation had their battles and things they faced. But as the pressure increases for you, believer, will you have the oil when the return of the Lord happens? Will you be found ready and presently active, waiting, and ready to go when the Lord comes. All had understanding of the lamps. They all knew they needed the oil. Some of them just thought they could coast from yesterday's season instead of pressing in today and getting the oil today. The issue wasn't if they had a lamp or not, or if they had a calling or not. The issue wasn't if they were, were supposed to be there or not. The issue was if they had enough oil, friends. And what is the oil in this season? What is the oil in this passage? I believe it's the oil of intimacy. And it's the oil of intimacy with Jesus Christ. Friends, the oil, the, the, the oil that you need right now is relationship with the man Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Friends, when you begin to get into relationship with Jesus, you begin to get the oil. He begins to look right into you. Everything begins to change. I can tell you in many encounters I've had, and um, for the sake of time, I won't go into all of them, but as my relationship with the Lord has begun to increase over time, friends, I can tell you he's everything to me. I don't need anything else but him. I would, I, I, you see large crowds and you see miracles on the videos and you see all the stuff and you can say, oh yeah, well praise God and brother this, that, and brother that. But the greatest thing you can tell me is that I helped you love Jesus more today. Like I don't need to hear anything else. I don't need to hear, oh, that's cool that God did miracles with you or that you have large crowds or any of that. Like I'll give that up in a second, friends. I don't, I don't need it. It doesn't define me yet. There were seasons in my life in the past that I worked through that I thought that in order to have the call of God, I had to do certain things or be certain things or have certain things. But all of that stuff was washed away in a season of crucifixion in my life, friends. And can I tell you that all I want is Jesus? All I need is Jesus. All I have is Jesus. He's everything. I come back from these fields and just begin to weep and say, Lord, thank you for the souls. Thank you for the miracles. Thank you for the healings. Thank you for in the last crusade for the 839 people that were healed of tumors. Lord, thank you for just like in one night, like (laughs) that's crazy to me, right? Thank you for the 139 people in the previous crusade that were delivered from demons. Lord, thank you 
for all of the different people that are being set free left and right, for breaking families of generational curses, for turning Muslim people three and four generations to Christ in a single night and changing the future of their family tree. Lord, thank you for breaking into darkness with the light. Lord, thank you for all of the amazing things. But Lord, if you want me to just go live in a cave the rest of my life, I'll do it. Like whatever you want, whatever you want in relationship with me, God, that is the greatest desire of my heart. I don't need the accolades. I don't need the gifts. I don't need the stuff. I just want what you want me to have. And, and I'll, give, like, I'll give the gifts back if that's what you want. Like it's not, it's, it's not those things that define me. It's Jesus, that he loves me, that I am his and he is mine. And friends, anything beyond that, I ask you today to put through the testing of pride in your life and see if there's something else inside of you that has become the paramount issue for you. Friends, there is only one that is found worthy. You can read in Revelation 4 and 5, and I won't, I won't go over there and read it just for the sake of time, but in Revelation 4 and 5, you see John up in heaven having the heavenly vision, seeing a vision of the throne room, and he's seeing the angels and the elders and the living creatures all shouting, holy, 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 worthy, 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 all around there, shouting it out, and John in chapter 5 begins to say, oh no, I'm, I'm weeping because there's nobody found worthy, like, like there's nobody, I can't find anybody, and there's, there's, there's tragedy, and Someone comes to him and says, John, you don't have to weep. There is one found worthy, and he's worthy to open the scroll. And he looks over, and, and he sees a disfigured, slaughtered lamb that is unrecognizable, friends. And it was Jesus Christ, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And he begins to call upon him and begins to encourage him, saying, there is found one who is worthy. There is one who is worthy. There is one who is worthy. There is one who is worthy. And friends, that man, Jesus Christ, came to this earth. He died upon a cross for the sins of the world. He took your sin and he took mine. And he joins with us today and he says, I am yours and you are mine. If you will call upon him today, friends, you can be saved. And for those that are already saved, it's time to go to a deeper level of intimacy with him. Friends, he is the pearl of great price and anything beyond Jesus, friends, is gonna cause you pain and suffering in this life. You need to get to Jesus today. You need to run to Jesus today. He alone can save you. He alone can heal you. He alone can deliver you. He alone can set you free. He lifts you from the deepest pit from the darkest place. He shines the light in the darkness. He casts out demons. He parts the red seas. He brings you through the fires. He slays the giants. He alone will part the seas and the water you will not drown and the fire you will not burn at the heights of the highest heights, friends. You will not be separated at the depths. He will lift you from that place at the widths. He will know no end, friends. He is the greatest prize and I pray today you will find him and you will call upon his name. Today, Jesus alone will come and he will set you free. John says in John chapter 3 that he must become greater and I must become less. He must become greater. I must become less. He's everything. You can just stand to your feet right now and Jesus, we lay down our pride. We repent today. We call upon your name. Lord, we, we say that you alone are worthy in this place. 
You alone are worthy in this place. There's nobody like you, Jesus. There's nobody like you, Jesus. You alone are worthy in this place. Friends, just begin to ask the Lord to examine your hearts. Just begin to ask him to look on the inside of you. And just begin to look through your life and see what it is that he is pointing out to you. It's time to call on repentance and to call on the Lord and to ask him to touch you and shape you. These altars are open if you would like to respond. It might be for salvation. You might say, today I want to give my life to Jesus. I, I didn't know he loved me like that. To others it may be because he wants to take you through something and you need to repent. But friends, there is only one found worthy. There is only one found worthy. There's only one found worthy. Worthy is the Lamb and seated on the throne. We crown you now with many crowns. You reign victorious. And high and lifted up Jesus, Son of God The darling of heaven crucified And worthy is the Lamb. And worthy is the Lamb. Examine us, Lord. Examine us, Lord. Look into our hearts today. Look into our hearts, Lord. Begin to process through us today. We lay down our sins, Lord. We lay down our pride. Right now, we repent of our wickedness and our wicked ways, God. In the shaking and the testing and the fear and the despair and anger that's happening all around us, where will we be found, Lord? In your heart and in your hands. Lord, you told those virgins that came late, depart from you. You did not know them, that you never knew them. And God, we don't want to be found on that side of the intimacy, God. We want to know you. We want to have the special access. We want to be the ones in the inner place, the ones that are in the room, the ones that love you, the ones you love. Search our hearts, God. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. And worthy is the Lamb. And worthy is the Lamb. Some of us need to lay down sins today. Sins that are eating away at our soul.
that are eating away at the infrastructures of our lives. Right now I bind every demonic spirit that's in this house. Anything that does not belong here, I command you to go in Jesus' name. And right now I pray by the blood of Jesus that every person in this room would be completely covered right now by the glory of God. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come in and to begin to comfort, to begin to counsel, to begin to convict right now. Lord, to help us love Jesus more and to remove anything in our lives that is impairing our love for Jesus. Anything that's standing in the way right now, we ask, Lord, that you would begin to remove it right now, remove strongholds right now. I bind and tear down every stronghold right now that is standing against. Friends, repent right now. Begin to call on the Lord. Ask for forgiveness. Ask for mercy. He will come. Some of you need to lay some things down. Just begin to lay those things down. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do in this place. Have mercy on us. We repent of our wickedness, God. We ask for oil right now. Lord, give us the oil. Give us the oil, Lord, the oil of intimacy. Ask him to search the innermost, most delicate parts of you right now. Ask him to shine light on the nooks and crannies that you don't let anybody into. Let the Father of heavenly lights shine down upon you in the fullness of his power right now. Let him lay you bare before him right now. Glory of God is here, friends. Lean into it right now. Father, I just ask you'd send your angels on assignment, begin to minister to people all across this room. Lord, reveal to us, reveal to us the things that are standing and blocking our view of you. Lord, we want complete and total access. Eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts 
to know and understand, to smell, to taste, to touch, Lord. We want to taste and see that the Lord is good in this house. Some of you in this room, you need to forgive. There's, there is an underlying unforgiveness issue and it's destroyed your life in bitterness. And it's time to repent right now, to let that thing go right now. Just, you need to release that thing and even make a phone call <laughs> and get this thing done and dealt with. It's eating at you. That forgiveness is destroying your life. It's destroying you. There's some of you that have been sexually abused and you've held on to that hurt and it never should have happened, but it's destroying you. It's impaired your view of what God wants to do in your relationships even now with other, with other people. And it's time to forgive and to release and put it into God's hands. It's his to avenge. He'll take care of it. It sucks that it happened, but forgive. Forgive, release that thing. There's a pain that's caused your life. Just release it. Somebody in here, you've been trying to go see a psychic and it's screwing up your life right now. You need to repent right now. You've been trying to go talk to the dead. I bind that thing right now in Jesus' name. You need to repent, friend. Repent right now in Jesus' name. Cut that bridge. Turn it back. Cut it off from your life. Repent. Ask the Lord to forgive you. Call on his name for mercy right now. There's nothing good in that place. Just call upon him right now in Jesus' name. Pornography is eating at some of you. It's time to release that thing, to call on the name of the Lord. Ask for repentance. Friends, this is real. Put this, put, don't put the Lord to the test right now. Ask for forgiveness. Ask for mercy. Don't keep these things in the shadows. Some it's a gossiping tongue. Your, your tongue is out of control right now. Put that thing to the Lord. Give it to him right now. Jesus. Have mercy on us right now. Have mercy on us right now. The Holy Spirit's just ministering to hearts right now. Just receive his ministry right now. 
Say the rubber book or son to the bosay. 